Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Hey, faithful listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast on this lovely Thursday morning or afternoon or evening or whenever you're tuning in to listen. I know a lot of people don't actually listen in the morning and I don't actually record these in the morning either. (laughs) Not usually anyway. I'm usually recording these around afternoon, typically. So I'm still drinking my coffee when I record episodes, but uh, I'm beginning to slow down. So I can still share a cup of coffee with you guys while we're talking about scripture, at least. But let's go ahead and discuss Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 21 today. And before I begin, I actually want to give a shout out to somebody who goes to my church. A few weeks back, I mentioned that my favorite pen is the Uniball Vision Elite. And this very nice lady that goes to my church came up to me and randomly just threw my favorite pen into my purse and walked away. <laughs> and I was like, thank you for the new pen. I really appreciate it. It's my favorite pen too. So we were talking about it later and she was like, yeah, I heard that that was your favorite pen and I had one. And I was like, thank you so much. So I greatly, greatly appreciate that. But let's share a cup of coffee today or a cup of tea for you crazy tea drinkers out there. And let's go ahead and read Acts chapter 9 verses 10 through 21 today. I'll be reading at the W.E.B. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, behold, it's me, Lord. The Lord said to him, arise and go to the street, which is called straight and inquire in the house of Judah for one named Saul, a man of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him that he might receive his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he did to your saints at Jerusalem. Here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go your way, for he is my chosen vessel to bear my name before the nations and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias departed and entered into the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he received his sight. He arose and was baptized. He took food and was strengthened. Saul stayed several days with the disciples who were at Damascus. Immediately in the synagogues, he proclaimed the Christ, that he is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Isn't this he who in Jerusalem made havoc of those who called on this name? And he had come here intending to bring them bound before the chief priests. Where we left off last time, Saul was blinded by the amazing presence of Jesus. Because Jesus had appeared to Saul and said to him, Why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? And uh, Saul was basically left blinded after that. And he was left for three days being blind without eating or drinking. And so Saul had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to think about everything that happened to him, about his blindness, about God, about Jesus. He had a lot of time to think. So Saul is still blind. He's still not eating. He's still not drinking. And he's still sitting there thinking. And it says now that God ends up appearing to a man named Ananias. 
And we have no clue anything about this man. We have no clue other than the fact that his name was Ananias and that he was a disciple from Damascus. But God chose Ananias specifically, likely because Ananias had a heart for God and also because Ananias might have been a more bold individual, potentially, who wasn't as afraid (laughs) to go to Saul. Because don't forget, Saul had a reputation for being a terrible human being because Saul persecuted the early church to great lengths and helped put a lot of the, uh, the church members to death. If not, they were thrown into prison, they were beaten, they were abused, they were taken from their families. It was just bad, bad stuff that Saul was doing. And he was wreaking havoc on the early church. And now he's coming to Damascus to do the same thing. And I'm sure Ananias knew that. But yet, even though I'm sure he was kind of afraid, because it sort of sounds like that here, he did protest a little bit when God told him to go see Saul, but he did go do it. And not only did he go do it, he went and did it very well. And I'll explain that in a moment. So it says there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, it's me, Lord. So Ananias heard this vision and responded to God and not only responded to God, but responded with like an open heart, ready to hear what God was about to tell him. And so the Lord says to him, arise and go to the street, which is called straight and inquire in the house of Judah for one named Saul, a man of Tarsus. Behold, he is praying. So God's like, okay, Ananias, I want you to get up. I want you to go over to Straight Street, and I want you to find a guy that lives on Straight Street named Judah. And I want you to go into that house and lay your hands on Saul. Because Saul is sitting there praying. Now, this is an important thing that God kind of adds in there, that Saul is praying because Ananias has no clue about Saul's transformation yet at this point. All he knows is that Saul of Tarsus is a terrible guy, that he was coming to Damascus to potentially put people like Ananias to death just for being a Christian. So Ananias knows who Saul of Tarsus is and was probably expecting his coming to Damascus. I'm sure the early church was like hunkering down for some persecution to happen because of Saul. And Ananias was clearly part of that church. But the fact that God here mentions to Ananias that Saul is praying kind of shows that Saul is having some sort of transformation. Because you can imagine that if you knew of a guy who was just a terrible guy and was just a a mean human being, And God came to you and was like, that guy that's a really mean human being is now praying. You can imagine that you would start believing that potentially this man is having a heart change because he's now praying. So God gives Ananias some confirmation that Saul of Tarsus is beginning to have a heart change. And not to mention that God also mentions here that Saul had a vision of Ananias coming to him so that Saul could regain his sight. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, if you found out that your greatest enemy had gone blind randomly because of God, (laughs) it would be really hard not to be happy about that. You know, Ananias, I'm sure, 
had that same human feeling where when he found out that Saul was blinded, was possibly very happy about it. And now he's finding out from God that he's supposed to go over to Saul, lay his hands on Saul and help Saul regain his sight. You can imagine that Ananias is like, um, I don't really want to do that. I kind of want him to remain blind so then he won't persecute my family anymore. And that's, that's basically what he says to God. He's like, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he did to your saints at Jerusalem. Because don't forget that the people in Jerusalem, the early church, scattered because of Saul like literally left Jerusalem, had to leave their homes because of how bad the persecution got in Jerusalem, specifically because of Saul and because of the other Pharisees that helped Saul uh, persecute the church like that. And so many of those disciples from Jerusalem are likely going around to different areas, including Damascus, and telling stories of how badly the church was treated in Jerusalem. And so now Ananias was hearing these testimonies of these people from Jerusalem and being like, God, Saul is a really bad guy. I've heard so many testimonies about Saul specifically. And uh, now you want me to go heal him? Now you want me to go give him the Holy Spirit? He's here because he has authority from the chief priests to bind and carry away all who call on your name. Now, this is why I actually believe that Ananias is speaking to Jesus here because the Pharisees didn't care if the common people called on God, the father's name, specifically, it was the name of Jesus that they did not like. And that's why I believe that Ananias is speaking to Jesus right here, because he says to Jesus in verse 14, he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So that's pretty clear that Ananias is speaking to Jesus right here. There's actually, um, my sister and I were talking about this recently. There's actually a belief that some Christians teach that you shouldn't pray to Jesus and that there's nothing in scripture that tells you to pray to Jesus. You're supposed to pray according to them to God the Father. But that's actually false because Ananias right here is having a vision from Jesus, is talking to Jesus, is praying to Jesus, and not to mention Stephen. Remember the guy who was uh, the first martyr of the early church? He literally prayed to Jesus. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So there are scriptural passages of people who prayed to Jesus in the New Testament because Jesus is God. So why wouldn't we pray to him? And I don't think it's a sin at all to pray to Jesus. That being said, though, because Jesus is our intercessor, which means that he asks God the Father to forgive us, like Jesus is standing up next to God on his right hand side saying, oh, you know, Jen down there, she just sinned, but please forgive her because I have covered her with my grace. So that's why we say that Jesus is our high priest. He intercedes intercedes for us. So that being said, we can pray to God the Father. And I think that it is good to pray to God the Father as well. But there is nothing wrong with praying to Jesus according to scripture. So anyway, Ananias is speaking to Jesus here. And he's like, Jesus, you know, Saul wants to persecute me and people like me for 
believing for calling on your name, for believing in you. But then verse 15 says, but the Lord said to him, go, go your way, for he is my chosen vessel to bear my name before the nations and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So this is the first time we hear of Saul being called by God. It's very possible that Saul didn't even know this yet. Ananias was potentially the first person to hear that Saul was a called individual by God, a called individual that we're going to find out is the greatest evangelist of all time, pretty much. (laughs) But verse 16 is kind of interesting. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And I do wonder if this is part of the justice of God because Saul had persecuted deeply the early church. And so now it's Saul's turn to learn what it takes to be a Christian. Saul persecuted the Christians, didn't care about the Christians beforehand, didn't care what their fate was at all, whether they lived or died. And now Jesus is going to show him what it feels like when when people hate you for being a Christian. So Jesus says, Paul is in fact going to suffer. And maybe this was also partially for Ananias to ease his nerves a little bit, to make him not so afraid to go see Saul that, you know, Saul is a chosen individual and justice was going to come either way. You know, people, people long for justice. And I'm sure Ananias also longed for justice with all the stories he was hearing of his friends who had gotten persecuted because of Saul. So Ananias goes, he departs and enters into the house that Jesus told him to go to. And he laid his hands on Saul and he said, brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's really amazing that Ananias jumped in so deeply to call him brother Saul, if you think about that. Because Ananias went from believing that Saul was basically like the worst guy ever to now calling him a brother in the faith. And that does kind of show the the character of Ananias, that when Jesus told him to do this, Ananias did it fully and even called Saul a brother. So he says, brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road by which you came. So showing Saul that uh, this was part of the vision that he had seen of Ananias coming to him. And also showing Saul that um, Jesus can speak to multiple people. Remember how I mentioned that the Pharisees believed that God didn't speak to people anymore? Well, that's clearly untrue because Jesus had spoken to Saul and now Jesus speaks to Ananias and told Ananias about Saul and what had happened to Saul. And so Ananias ends up laying his hands on Saul. And Saul receives the Holy Spirit and immediately something like scales fell fell from his eyes and he received his sight. He arose and was baptized. And so that's an interesting statement that something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. I talked about on the last podcast how Saul's blindness was kind of like an analogy for how Saul was living his life. And now that blindness is gone. Saul can see now. And so Immediately, he rises up after being spiritually freed from that darkness and also his eyes being freed from the blindness. He rises up and immediately was baptized. And I don't know if Ananias baptized him or if somebody else did. I imagine Ananias did. But 
Saul gets baptized, fully confirming that he is now a Christian. The group of people that he hated just three days before this, Saul has now become a Christian. And so that's why we don't give up on people. Because if you think about it, Saul had an amazing transformation in an extremely short period of time, like three whole days. Saul went from persecuting the church, believing he was right to persecute the church, hating Christians to becoming a Christian and writing basically the entire New Testament, (laughs) or at least half of the New Testament. So Saul ends up becoming Paul. He changes his name later on. We'll talk about that. But um, and I, I imagine he ended up changing his name because he didn't want the association of Saul any longer. He wanted to become Paul. But anyway, that is why we don't give up on people like people in our lives that we think can never receive God. Don't give up on them because you never know how God is going to work. You never know what God can do with that person in your life. So continue to pray for those people who you believe may never receive the Holy Spirit or or may never receive salvation. Just continue to pray. So now he says in verse 19 that Saul took food and was strengthened because he had not eaten for three days. And Saul stayed several days with the disciples who were at Damascus. And I don't know if this included Ananias or not. We don't ever hear about Ananias again, basically. But Saul stayed with the disciples in Damascus. They accepted him, possibly because of Ananias's vision. And so immediately, Saul goes into the synagogues and begins proclaiming the Christ that he is the son of God. Now, Saul had a lot of clout with the Pharisees. So he was able to go into the synagogues and possibly teach and possibly uh, read from the scrolls. And he's doing that. He's not just going into the the temples and, and reading from the scrolls or teaching, but now he's teaching that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the son of God. And so the people who are listening to him in the temple are shell shocked. They're just like, What is this? Isn't this Saul? Like, didn't he hate these Christians before? Didn't he hate the name of Jesus before? Why all of a sudden is he believing in Jesus's name and teaching us about it? And this is just the beginning of Saul's ministry. But it is interesting that Saul immediately went and did this. That is how transformative this encounter that Saul had with Jesus really was. It was so transformative. That three days of blindness was transformative for Saul. God's mercy on Saul by taking that blindness away and not killing him on the road to Damascus, if you think about that also, and also letting him be included as one of the disciples and receiving the Holy Spirit. That was all of God's mercy being shown greatly to Saul. And all of that was very transformative. And I believe that is one of the most transformative things that could ever happen to a person is when a person receives God's mercy and they recognize that they needed mercy. That is why God, a lot of times, does use brokenness to bring people to him, because in that brokenness, God shows mercy, God shows grace, and God even shows miracles sometimes through that brokenness. And that is the best way I think a person begins to understand and trust in Jesus and has that transformative moment 
with Jesus is when they are humbled in that way, humbled to the point where they realize that they need Jesus in order for them to be able to function. Like, for example, Paul or Saul here, he uh, definitely needed Jesus's healing power for him to be able to function after he was blinded. Um, Blindness back in these days was probably a lot worse than it is nowadays, if you think about it, because there were no social programs for blind people. There was no incentives for the blind. There was no there was nothing like Saul would have been out of work for the rest of his life, being unable to support himself, most likely had this blindness lasted for the for the rest of his life. But that's not what ended up happening. Jesus showed mercy, great mercy on Saul by not just not killing him on the road to Damascus, but by healing his blindness and allowing Saul to receive the gift, the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. Faithful listeners, continue to pray for people who are in your life that may be like Saul, that maybe hate Christianity, that maybe just don't want to hear it. Continue to pray for them because you never know how God can work in their lives. But friends and faithful listeners, if you like the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. I think Spotify now has a place where you can review. I might be wrong about that. Or wherever you're listening to this podcast, please consider rating and reviewing it because shockingly enough, that's a really good way to evangelize because the more ratings and reviews the podcast gets, the more it gets spread to more people. So that's an excellent way to support the podcast. Faithful listeners, have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless.